0: Hello, and welcome to Voices of UCM. I'm your host, Abram Tabor. Today, we're joined by Dr. Shari Bax. She's the vice president of student experience and engagement, a professor of political science, and the campus coordinator for the American Democracy Project.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. So obviously the reason I was interested in having you on the show is your involvement with the American Democracy Project since midterms are fast approaching. And I just wanted somebody who is a little bit more involved in the political side of things, especially you're a professor of political science and involved with the Democracy Project. So I just wanted sort of your take on it and see what people should, you know, like registration deadline has already passed, but get information out there for people who are interested in voting, like where can they vote, things like that. So first off, You're involved with the American Democracy Project. I've thrown this name around already like five times. What is the American Democracy Project?
1: The American Democracy Project is a multi-campus initiative started by the American Association of State Colleges and Universities. And it involves about 200 campuses that all agreed to actively work on civic engagement in their campus communities so that students particularly could learn about how to be civically engaged, why it's important to be civically engaged, and what the outcomes of civic engagement are. All
0: right. Uh, So you speak about civic engagement. What do you think is so important about uh, students, especially, being involved with the community?
1: Students are part of the community. They benefit from the community, and they themselves can benefit the community. Um, A lot of our students in particular, and American Association of State Colleges and Universities is made up of schools similarly situated to us, are students that are going to go into areas of public service they're going to be teachers and police officers and um, they're going to run banks and local businesses and all of those things both benefit from the community and are of benefit to the community and so to understand that relationship and be part of that relationship you need to understand civic engagement mm. and
0: of part of civic engagement is, of course, voting when elections come around and midterms is fast approaching. uh, What would you say, like, what's, I guess it's a bit of a old bell that's being rung, but what would you say is important about students getting out and voting? Because I know I've seen plenty of statistics around where university students don't tend to go out as much as members of the overall community do to vote. So why do you think that is, I guess, is the question? Like, Why do you think students don't go out to vote and why is it important that they should?
1: Well, students are in a situation where a lot of times they're in somewhat of a transient point in their life where they are temporarily residing in one place, that they're Connected to, but they're not expecting to be there for the rest of their career, the rest right. of their life. And so I think it's more challenging for them to ha- find that connection and see that connection in a way that makes them want to vote. Um, but it's very important. Um, you know, the students at the University of Central Missouri attend a public institution right. that is partly funded by their state legislature. We are voting on all of our 163 House seats and half of our state Senate seats in this election. Those people are going to make very, very important decisions concerning the levels of funding that the University of Central Missouri, along with all other institutions of higher education, are going to receive. Those students are every day impacted by other laws, whether it's a traffic light or um what they are allowed to consume in local establishments, all of those things are decided by our state legislature and impact students' lives. And so one of the most basic ways to have a voice over those things is to vote in general elections.
0: Absolutely. Now, as I said before, the voting registration deadline has passed a while ago, but obviously there's still information to be had about voting and otherwise the Way we would be taking the show is a little bit different. So, where the obvious, I heard that there was a new sort of way to vote that was being implemented in Missouri this year.
1: So, the state legislature had passed a law that allows for no excuse early voting. Um, Up until this year, in order for someone to vote by absentee, they had to have a reason. And there was a list of reasons on the absentee ballot request form, and you had to say which one of those reasons you fit. Um, The state legislature allowed for a short window of no excuse early voting. It started on October 25th and goes until November 7th, which is the Monday immediately before the election. And if you are a registered voter, you can go to the location designated by your local election authority, which more often than not is the county clerk's office, but it varies from local election authority to local election authority, and you can absentee ballot in that location, from October 25th till November 7th.
0: Wow, that's that's really good information to have. Uh, especially, I'm actually personally registered to vote. I did it back when I got my driver's license fully set up earlier this year.
1: So let me ask you, Abram. Yeah. Um, are you registered to vote with your current address?
0: Ah, uh, see, that, that's I'm registered to vote back where I live back at home.
1: Uh, and do you so. still consider that home?
0: You know, I think I actually, for the most part, I do because that's where a lot of my roots are, you know. okay.
1: well, then under state law, if you still consider that home, because it is your decision as to what you consider home, then you are still eligible to vote there. And so from this point up until November 7th, you could early vote um, with your local election authority or you can show up at your voting precinct on November 8th, which is Election Day. Right on
0: based off of what you're saying, you know, we're all affected by laws every day. You know, there's certain things that we're more involved with and less involved with as somebody who's a media creator. Laws are very important. I mean, there was a recent case that just got a lot of attention for parody. I'm in a mm-hmm. class right now about digital media law cuz it's important that we understand these things. And so I see every day you know putting metadata on things trying to make sure that I have the right people are getting royalties to stuff and I'm not using stuff that hasn't been approved you know I see how these laws affect even my schoolwork right. and you know so I think it's very important that people get involved at that level because it does it does affect you every time you create something every time you make something every time you go on a walk on a street and you got like that pedestrian crossing <laughs> sign that <laughs> is obnoxiously short at one of the points on campus, like that one between uh, across McGuire Street uh, right after the bridge is, whew, that that's a short timer. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> had to jog a couple times for that. But anyway, I wanted to get back around to you uh, and how you got involved with the American Democracy Project. So how did you end up getting involved with this?
1: So I have actually been working with the American Democracy Project since 2003. Wow. Um, the American Democracy Project was founded by the American Association of State Colleges and Universities a little bit, just a little bit before that, and the University of Central Missouri decided to become part of that initiative and the provost, because it's a provost initiative, asked me at that point in time, I was full-time faculty in political science, if I would be the campus coordinator, and so I looked into it and it aligned very much with the types of things that I was already doing in class and with student organizations. And so I agreed to become the campus coordinator at the time. And then when I came over to student experience and engagement, I was asked to keep it and keep working with the American Democracy Project. So I, for 20 years now, have been the campus coordinator on this campus for the American Democracy Project. And from time to time, I get the opportunity to gather with campus coordinators from all over the country who do similar work.
0: Right on. I actually have an interesting question for you based off of that. So you've been involved with the American Democracy Project now for 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more than actually, and you've been trying to encourage students to get more involved in the, the civic can't think of the word. I mean engagement? With civic engagement, yes, thank you. And I wanted to ask, has that changed over the years?
1: Well, for one, going back to the laws, the laws have changed. You know, this year, one of the other things that we have going on is our voter ID law. Mm. And so helping students understand that they need to have a specific ID when they go to the ballot is very important. Um, we already talked about the early voting opportunities. Um, we saw a whole lot of change in um, voting and some of the laws involving that following the 2000 election and the 2004 election Mm. that we had to educate um, our populations about. But even other aspects of civic engagement, we can talk about um, the fact that civic engagement can include contacting your elected officials. It It can be going to different committees and commissions and things like that. It could be organizing a group effort to make your feelings and opinions and understandings Um, publicly aware. Um, It could be educating people on different issues. We've held all kinds of educational programs over the years. Um, Missouri has Um, direct initiatives where voters vote on what they want to become law. And so many elections offer us the opportunity to talk about issues such as marijuana, um, right to carry, um, things like that, because Mm. those things appear on the ballot. And so voters are going to have to be prepared to vote on those issues, and they need to know that those things are going to be on the ballot.
0: All right. Well, we'll be right back with more of Dr. Shari Bax right after this.
1: Did you know that when you shop at a local business, you can create jobs, stimulate the local economy, and reduce your carbon footprint? 90% of net new jobs are created by small businesses, which makes them the largest employer nationally. And for every $100 spent at a local shop, 68 of those come back into the community, because small businesses buy from more small businesses. Because of this, habitat loss and pollution caused by transportation has decreased by 26%. To learn more about the benefits of supporting small businesses in your community, visit one in your area today.
0: This message brought to you by your friends in UCM Digital Media Production.
1: Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash step A message from StoryCorps Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Voices of UCM. I'm here today with Dr. Shari Bax. She's the Vice President of Student Experience and Engagement, a professor of political science, and the campus coordinator for the American Democracy Project. Now we've already talked a little bit about the midterms and a lot of the good upcoming information about that and what the American Democracy Project does. It gets students uh, involved with civic engagement. And You gave a bunch of great examples of what civic engagement can look like at the end of our last segment. Uh, Could you dive a little bit into how you get students involved with civic engagement.
1: So getting students involved with civic engagement starts with, I have a partner in all of this work who is a student coordinator. All right. That person currently is Lindsay Burns, but for years now I've had a series of excellent students who helped me plan out all of these programs. And we really try to make it so that what the American Democracy Project is doing at UCM is really driven by what students want to learn about and need to learn about. And so the student coordinator has a lot of say over all that. Mm. And most of the events that you'll see being sponsored by the American Democracy Project, are really being coordinated and planned out by that student coordinator. And then that student coordinator and I work with a steering committee, and that steering committee has students and faculty from the different colleges on it. And we basically take to them ideas, and then they help us come up with events and activities and programs that we should be doing on campus to Mm. get students civically engaged. And those programs can be everything from tabling in the union to make sure students know how to look up where they go to vote on election day, to having major speakers for Constitution Week, like Annette Gordon-Reed. Sometimes they're interactive activities. We did a sip and paint during Constitution Week where students painted pictures after listening to prompts Um, concerning the First Amendment and then talked about what they had painted and why. So we do all kinds of different activities, but those are driven by those suggestions from the steering committee and then really coordinated and thought out by the student coordinator, which means that that student coordinator has to have a whole lot of knowledge and understanding of civic engagement.
0: Right now, that civic coordinator, I believe, is Lindsay Burns? That is correct. And so what all goes into... Now obviously you're not the student coordinator, you're the campus coordinator, but what all goes into when you are probably looking for the next person to come along and be the new student coordinator, what goes into like more than just knowledge of civic engagement being that position?
1: So the person needs to be very organized. Um, They're going to be putting together a lot of different events. They have to have a good understanding of the campus and be ready to learn about the different processes that we use on campus to reserve space, to have food at events, to publicize things. And they also have to then understand or be very ready to learn all the different processes like registering to vote and getting your absentee ballot request. And um, she did a lot of work making sure students knew to get their absentee ballot requests notarized before they sent them back in, things like that. Um, and. You have to be willing to work with a diversity of people. She spends a lot of time reaching out to faculty from across all the different colleges and student organizations and working with people who have all different kinds of opinions because we are a oh, right. nonpartisan. right? So she has to be ready to work with people from every different political persuasion.
0: Hmm. And I think that's an important part of the American Democracy Project that you just mentioned is the nonpartisan element of it, that it's really about being involved with the community and civically engaging but it's not about like you have to do it this way and i feel like a lot of the systems that I've seen in place recently of, hey, you know, you should get involved are also like ads for and vote for
1: this person. (laughs) So
0: uh, it's nice to see a initiative, a organization that's dedicated to doing that in a nonpartisan way. I really appreciate that.
1: And that is an absolute commitment nationally for the American Democracy Project, that it is a nonpartisan effort. And so we work with we work with all different parties, not just Democrat, Republican, but sometimes Libertarian, sometimes Constitutional Party. Um, we've done all kinds of different efforts.
0: Right on. As part of the American Democracy Project, you started getting involved with that way back when you were a faculty were you a professor of political science at that point?
1: So- I, uh, I was not, I had not yet made full professor of political oh, science okay. at the time. I was junior faculty, but I was very active with different student organizations and had already hosted several nonpartisan events to educate students about different political issues. Hmm.
0: So you were sort of a natural for the pick then?
1: I guess that's what the provost thought. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, absolutely. So, how did it look? being a in a position of junior faculty to being asked to take on something like this for campus
1: well I had to work through a lot of the things that the student coordinator has to work through as to the different processes as to how you get these different events out there and you get the funding for them fortunately I had a very supportive provost that helped me work through all of those things
0: right on Starting as a junior faculty, getting involved with that, having a lot of support base, that's great. How did you get to that point? How did you get to being so interested in the civic engagement of students, being so interested in politics that you had already hosted events about it before ADP was around?
1: Well, I... I had majored in political science, done my master's in political science, done my PhD in political science. So it, it, it's kind of part of who I am. And, and in particular, not just political science, American politics. Right on. I worked on my first campaign when I was in high school. Oh wow! I um, helped people register to vote before I was even eligible to vote myself. <laughs> um, I worked on a campaign. Cons- I, I grew up in, for high school in Alabama. I worked on a campaign concerning the Alabama Constitution when I was 16. So it's it's always been kind of part of who I am. Um, and shortly after I moved to Missouri to teach at the University of Central Missouri, I began um, coordinating the internship program for political science. So I had become um, familiar with a lot of the individuals who were in the state house, and the state senate, and in statewide office in Missouri. Um, and so I was... I was well situated to really start thinking through how you would put together programs to help students get better understanding of different political issues, what was on the ballot, and things like that. You mentioned
0: something interesting there uh, that I'd like to go into a little bit. You mentioned that there was an internship that you were running, Mm -hmm. uh, internships that you were running for political science. I didn't actually know there was an internship program for political science. What is that?
1: Dr. Coleman now serves as the internship coordinator for political science. She has since I um, took the position in student experience and engagement. But we have an internship um, experience where you can work in Jefferson City for a state House member or a state senator and learn all about the legislative process and what legislators do. We also place interns in other offices, such as an attorney's offices and things like that, that students might be interested in. But the um, every spring from January to May, we have students that are working with House and Senate members in Jefferson City. That's awesome. It's a great experience and students learn a lot from it.
0: Absolutely. Now, You first got involved with politics way back when you said you started working on your first campaign.
1: Yeah, long before you were alive, Abram. (laughs) Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I was born Uh, post-9-11. I've never known a world without that, Um, to digress. But what is that like for you as somebody who's been in that their whole life, who started at such a young age? Because I know some people avoid politics like like the devil, like they would never go near a political discussion just because it's too much or that there's so divisive right now. What is your perspective, having been involved with it for such a long time?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with whether you focus on the politics and and particularly the clash and the conflict, or if you focus on what you're hoping to get out of the political system. And I have a very, very strong belief in, in the American government system and mm-hmm. that we actually have this amazing opportunity to choose our leaders and to express our thoughts on our governmental system. And yes, that means that comes with conflict and clash and things are not always very pleasant, but I would never, ever give up the, the the rights and the freedoms that we have because of that clash. I, I have that voice. And if I want it to not be that way, then it's my responsibility to be part of the system and express that opinion that I want it to be about the issues, and I want it to be about the change that we can make and the government that I want to have and see, rather than about the personalities and those kinds of things. So, I, I think it's really about what you really focus on in the, in the system, and to me, the fact that. We get to have a say over who our elected officials are going to be, and we get to have a say over what they're going to do is extremely valuable, and I don't want to ever lose that opportunity.
0: That's an amazing point, thank you. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Sherry Bax right after this, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To
1: help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Voice of UCM. I'm here today with Dr. Shari Bax. She's the vice president of student experience and engagement, a professor of political science, and the campus coordinator for the American Democracy Project. Now, we left off last time. We were talking about how it's important to have a voice and some of the things that you've done over the years as far as being involved and how you kind of started at a fairly early age being involved with political campaigning and things like that. Where did that heart come from? Cuz I know that people, I know people who love politics. I know people who are like very like, "Oh, this has to happen, so I'm going to I'm you know going to post on Facebook about it." But I don't know too many of them who in their teenage years would already be supporting or part of the support for a campaign.
1: I think it has always been part of who I am. I mean, I have very early memories of of campaigns and um, political personalities. I was very interested in what was happening on the news at a very young age. I um, can't say that it came necessarily from a specific event or occurrence. It was just always part of who I was and what I wanted to know more about and wanted to explore.
0: Hmm. So, was it always sort of a goal to be eventually in the field of politics then?
1: or? I wouldn't say that it was always a goal. I've, I've never actually wanted to hold political office myself. Uh-huh. Um, and I really didn't know I wanted to be a political scientist. Um, even when I was in college, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Hmm. But it was my senior year in college that I realized I didn't really want to be a lawyer, and I went in and I did what I tell a lot of my students to do. I went and I met with a faculty member that I had a definite connection with and whose opinion really mattered to me, and we kind of talked through what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, and I realized that what I really loved was the study of government and law, and so I decided to go to graduate school for political science, and the rest is history.
0: So you went to law school? I did not go to law school. Oh, okay. I was
1: I was in college, applying for law schools, oh, and then okay. I was um, activated for um, Operation Desert Storm, oh. and went over and spent some time in the Middle East. And while I was sitting in the desert, I realized I did not want to go to law school. That would have been that was my senior year in college, and um, I realized I didn't want to go to law school. So I came back and had to come up with another plan.
0: Well, I actually didn't know that part of your history. Thank you for your service.
1: <laughs> it was it was definitely an interesting time in my life.
0: Sure, yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine being in. I mean, I'm in my senior year. I I can't imagine being activated to go serve, and I I appreciate that. And I'm told that gives you perspective on a lot of things.
1: It does. I got called over Thanksgiving break. Oh, that's a
0: <laughs> that's a rough time to be called. <laughs> uh, now. Earlier, now it's interesting you became a political scientist because I'm told that most of your family are chemists.
1: Most of actually, uh, all of my immediate family my mother, my father, my brother, his wife are all chemists, and then we have extended family that are chemists too. But I married a fellow political scientist. Interesting,
0: interesting. So, as a person who now my family, there's no like straight bar of they all did this. I mean, like, very different career paths for all throughout my family, but all of them have glasses, and I don't. So I understand a little bit, but what is that like being a, in a totally different field from the majority of your immediate family?
1: I knew a lot more about a subject than I really wanted to, because <laughs> there was a whole lot of dinner conversations about things that involved chemistry. So and when I went when I went to college and my advisor was looking at my record and such and asked if I wanted to study chemistry, I told her I don't ever want to take chemistry again. (laughs) (laughs) But I you know, it shows up in some of the things that I've I teach and some of the things I do. It is it is good to have that science background because, you know, as we were talking about laws early earlier, there's a lot of laws that depend on having some knowledge of science Mm. um, particularly when you're thinking about anything concerning environmental policy anything concerning pharmaceuticals Um, there's a whole lot of science involved in transportation oh yeah so having some understanding of science is very important to understanding policy understanding law understanding government well, oh, that's
0: an interesting take on it. Understanding science it helps you understand government. Have you applied that? You mentioned that you've used it a little bit in your classes. Has there been situations where you're like, "Oh, this unique like take on something has been able to help me like better convey a subject to somebody"?
1: At one point in time, I taught environmental policy. Oh, well. so helping political scientists understand the different ways that we can store energy and sustain and make it sustainable and things like that depends a lot on understanding science.
0: Hmm. Now, we've thrown around the term political scientist a little bit. Uh, For those who don't know, what is a political scientist?
1: A political scientist is someone who chooses to study politics, not necessarily practice it. Um, And so understanding the different theories and practices and how our government and our political system operates. Very interesting.
0: Now, personally, I love what you said earlier about talking with a faculty about your personal skills, you know, I am a DMP major, but I've talked with various faculty about, you know, what I enjoy doing. And that's why this next semester, I'm hoping to take a history related class because I found out that what I really love doing is I love interviewing people and I love being part of like the record of a place. Because, you know, when I write for a newspaper, I am part of like the history. Like I've helped record history. And I think that's just fascinating. And obviously I love the connection between the, sort of the readers and the writers and how people understand certain things. I just love learning more about that. Is there something about, so when you went from law into political science, now I obviously, I still want to write. I still want to talk with people. I still want to interview. Was there some part of law that stood out to you that was like, you know, that brought you to it in the first place that then made you think of political science, or was it more of a I don't want to do law, but I am interested in politics.
1: <laughs> I, I was always um, intrigued by the law and the process by which law is made and then the process by which law is interpreted by the courts mm. and kind of we- looking at whether or not what was intended is what came to be and then also understanding how adjustments can be made thereafter, both on the judicial side of things, which is more on the legal law side, but then also on the legislative side, because a lot of times we go back in and we amend and revise laws. Right. So understanding all of those processes and how those things build to make what we have present day is what really intrigued me. So, you know, you were talking about, building the record of a place and being part of that, it's very much related to that. It's looking at the record of the different steps that were taken that got us to where we are now with our law, with our policy, and why we do things the way we do them.
0: Right on. Now, we've talked a lot about different things. We've talked about some of the new upcoming things with the voting and early voting policies with going to your place of voting if you're registered. Registration has passed again. Um, but we've talked about a little, what the American Democracy Project does. It's nonpartisan involvement in getting students uh, engaged with civic activities, and I think it's awesome. And we've talked a lot about your life and how you've gotten to where you are and some of the things you're interested in. Looking at back at all that and looking forward to the future, is there anything else you'd like to share
1: today? I think I have spent a lot of my time at UCM trying to help students find their potential, both in civic engagement but also with what they want to do when they leave here and i that that's what drives me and i would hope that you know as people hear this that particularly students will stop to think how can they be involved? What, what do they have to contribute to their community? What do they care about? And take actions on that so that they can have that very, very important relationship with their community that I have enjoyed throughout my time here. And I know that our students have a lot to contribute. And one of the ways they can do that is by being civically engaged.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been Voices of UCM. I'm your host, Abram Tabor, and that was Dr. Shari Bax. Thank you for tuning in. This is UCM The Beat.